0: Cody, that was really good. Uh, good morning, everyone. My name is Bruce, and I'm on staff here. I'm uh, the associate pastor here at Orange Crest Community Church. And uh, I'm filling in for Josh, Pastor Josh DeLaRosa, this morning. Uh, he's, he did a wedding for two of our members yesterday, and um, the location that he's in, he has the opportunity to serve in another church. So um, he asked me to fill in and uh, keep moving us forward in this message here that we've been going over the past few weeks. And it's called The Lies That Defeat Us. Um, We're talking about different lies that cause us to step back from experiencing the life that God wants us to live. Um, Because God actually promises the best life to those who trust and follow him. Uh, But we have to fight to experience that life. Uh, Because this battle that goes on, uh, it goes on in our minds, just inside of us, in our thoughts and emotions. And it happens especially when we're responding to um, external circumstances, things that are going on around us. Um, especially when it threatens to block the goals that we have and the progress that we want to make in life. So um, these these thought patterns, these um, lies that we've been talking about um, are kind of ingrained thought patterns that battle within our minds and um, they tug on our emotions. So um, some of the lies that we've just discussed so far, the first one we started with, uh, it's too hard. And that's a lie that comes into our mind when we're feeling like we're up against, like we're just in the middle of a tough spot and we, there's just no way we can do what we need to do. Um, another one is I'm too tired. This one I think about quite a lot. I, I, I wrestle with this lie of just feeling like I don't have enough energy just to, to get a firm grip on my responsibilities and take care of things and, and push through to work hard. Um, another lie that we talked about last week is it's not what I want. And that's just, that just comes into our, our, our minds when we're in the middle of a situation that um, is just totally a place we don't want to be or in a situation we don't want to be in. And so this week we're going to keep going, and um, another common lie that we tend to deal with frequently is it's not fair. Um, so just to kind of get us in the mindset of, of this particular thought, I'm going, to roll, I'm going to show you a quick video clip of just some different unfair things that, that can happen in life. We mean well, but we're imperfect creatures living in a beautifully imperfect world. Sometimes the little things get us, and other times, the not so little. It's amazing we've made it this far. All right. (laughs) I don't know if any of those things have ever happened to you before, but. Anybody that's in that situation would probably feel like they're having a bad day, so and just answering, man, this is so unfair. And uh, maybe you've had a situation where you feel like you've had a really unfair day, or maybe a week. You feel like you've had a week where nothing is going right. Um, that's kind of, that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. This stuff is a little extreme, but I maybe you've been there. We were we were talking about this video clip in the office when we were getting ready for this weekend, and some of the guys were like, "Yeah, I actually painted my car doing that same thing." So, um, but anyway. Uh, for me, I, about a year ago, I bought a used car, and I got it from somebody on Craigslist, which should tell you the kind of story I'm about to tell. <laughs> but uh, I was—I really liked this car. It seemed really good. I did the Carfax and all this stuff, and um, I was—I was praying about it and asking God, since it was so much money, if um, there was any reason why I should divert from getting this car. But I felt good about it, and I bought it. And for the first few weeks, it was it was definitely like the most amazing car that I ever had. It was it was great, and I, I, I started noticing a, a small coolant leak after a couple of weeks, and so um, I just briefly checked it out, and I thought maybe a hose had broken, or um, I just quick repair would, would take care of that leak. And um, I asked my buddy, and he took a quick look at it, and based on where it was located, the leak, he he thought that maybe it was a problem with the water pump, and so which was really discouraging to think about because he's usually right. And uh, I was thinking um, the water pump is either going to require a lot of time for me to fix it or I'm going to have to spend a lot of money for someone else to fix it because it's a fairly big job. And so I just bought this car. I spent a ton of money on it. And to have to deal with one of these major repairs was, like, really discouraging. So we looked at it some more, trying to really get to the bottom of it. And what we found out was, as it turns out, there was actually a crack in the engine block itself. So, which basically means the water pump would have been a great fix. That would have been a better option. Um, but when, when we found that out and figured out, that was the problem. I, I didn't know what to do. I, it, it definitely didn't feel fair. And I was just asking myself, you know, why? Like, you know, why am I having to deal with this right now? Or why did God let me buy this bum car and all this stuff? And he was, after all, he was leading me to make the purchase. At least it felt like it. But I don't know. It's hard to tell those things when you're in the middle of making the decisions. So... Um, maybe you have a version of my story where something just backfires or, or blows up in your face. Or For me, that happened not, it really wasn't a convenient time for me to have to deal with this major problem in my car. And, and maybe you have situations where things are just out of your control and you don't know what to do. Um, usually, those things that feel really unfair, we tend to be frustrated because um, they're just, they're, they're problems that come at the worst time and they're completely out of our control. Different other scenarios that you may have. Um, experience or if you've ever been at work and uh, maybe looking forward to some sort of promotion or job change of some kind, and then it goes to somebody else that maybe was less deserving in your opinion, or uh, maybe you've been working on a project at school or, or at work, and um, everybody's working together except for one guy who's being really lazy and doesn't want to do any work, and um, but you all end up getting a good grade, even that guy, it just doesn't feel fair. Like This stuff is out of our ability to control it and make it happen the way we want to, and um, it can be really frustrating. So sometimes we go through life, and um, life will just throw you a major curve that you didn't see coming, and you're unprepared to deal with. Um, and just that feeling of like everything blowing up in your face is, I'm sure, something that we can all relate to. Um, and, and it just leaves us asking questions, just like why, like why me, why right now of all times is this happening, or, or just it totally figures that that would happen. It's not fair. And maybe those aren't the right questions for us to be asking, but they come into our mind and we still have to wrestle with them. And so what we're going to look at today is basically when those thoughts come up, you know, how do we, how are we supposed to respond? And and more importantly, what does God want us to do in the middle of those situations? So we'll take a look in the Bible and uh, what we've been doing with this message series so far is looking at some stories in the Old Testament about some uh, people that have experienced really similar thoughts. Um, this, the context for the situations that they were dealing with are usually pretty different from what we're dealing with because a lot of the stories have revolved around um, battle and, and nations warring against each other and, and being in really dangerous positions like that. But for us, we, we don't we don't have that so much. But we do have um, a, lot, a lot of things going on in our life that that cause us frustration. And um, the interesting to realize it's interesting to see the way that those people had had to go through the same thought processes and just realign themselves with what God wants them to do. And so as we look at those stories, we see not only how the people respond, but we see how God steps in and makes a difference in those situations as well. So um, we're, we're going to take a look into um, the book of Second Chronicles. We're going to start in chapter 19. And uh, at this point in history, in the history of the nation of Israel, it was actually divided into two halves because of some divisiveness and rebellion. And uh, one half of the kingdom took the name Israel. Uh, they had a series of kings that did evil in the sight of the Lord. And that kingdom actually ended after some time. The other half took the name Judah, and that's what we're going to be focusing on today. And they they had some good kings that did um, that honored the Lord, and then they also had some kings that did evil as well. But uh, where we pick up, Jehoshaphat is the king over Judah. And uh, we're going to pick up the story where he... he comes to the realization, somebody brings it to his attention, that uh, he wasn't completely pleasing the Lord and that he really needed to change some things. So uh, we're going to look at uh, chapter 19, starting in verse 2. It says, But Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Because of this, wrath has gone out against you from the Lord. So this guy is just really getting Jehoshaphat's attention, and just letting him know, hey man, you're you're out of uh, you're out of balance, and you need to pull this thing back into focus. Um, so he gets his attention, uh, and he says, but uh, actually, nevertheless, some good is found in you, for you destroyed the Asherah out of the land, and have set your face to seek the seek God. Um, the Asherahs out of the land are just uh, idols worshipping other gods. So he did some good things to kind of clean it up. He, he, was for the, he was a good king, you know, for the most part, especially compared to some of the other ones. But um, like all of us, he wasn't perfect and needed some adjustment. So basically what was happening is, is he had, um, God had used him to prosper the nation and really caused him to, uh, the nation of Judah just to move forward and be blessed. But he made an alliance with Ahab, one of the evil kings from Israel. And um, when he did that, it kind of caused, like, it punctured the, the umbrella of protection that he had from God. Uh, which is kind of what happens when we make decisions that do that when we don't fear the Lord, and and He wasn't fearing the Lord. Um, to fear God means to to take God seriously, uh, take Him seriously enough to stay within His boundaries and and do what He commands. And so that that little perspective was kind of wavering for Jehoshaphat. He didn't have a real good grip on that. And so um, when he steps out of bounds, um, he also steps out from underneath protection. And uh, when we do that, you know, we're basically saying that we're uh, we decided to handle life in our own hands and do it in our own wisdom and not God's. And God will let us actually do it on our own if we really insist. Um, so that's that's what Jehoshaphat was doing. And um, and so he, he gets this uh, news that he's getting off track. And so he, he, he responds. He makes a lot of adjustments and reforms to bring the nation back into alignment. And he does this by appointing some judges and commands them to uh, make judgment in the fear of the Lord. So... While he's doing all this work to kind of get things back on track and get focused, uh, realigned with, with what God wants, uh, a threat from outside of Judah arises and comes against them. Um, we're going to jump to uh, Second Chronicles 20. It says, After this, the Moabites and Ammonites, and with them some of the Mayunites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. So a man came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazes Tamar, that is in Gedi.' So, um, as he's trying to do all this good, get things back on track, he's really trying to do the right thing. Um, the Moabites and the Ammonites mount up. They come together. two different nations come together and are ready to attack them, which would feel really unfair <laughs> in the middle, not just because Jehoshaphat's trying to do the right thing um, and, and he has this threat just out of nowhere, but actually the Moabites were shown uh, grace and kindness from God and from the Israelites when they first came into the land. God had instructed the Israelites not to harass them or battle with Moab because of a prior arrangement he had made with them. So basically, the very people that were shown a lot of grace and kindness were now turning to attack, and we don't even necessarily know why. They just probably felt threatened. So um, for us, this may be a situation that we could experience today where uh, maybe if there's uh, someone that you love, or maybe even someone that you've just helped out in some way, they turn on you out of their own selfish desires, Maybe what you did wasn't good enough for them, and they just want more, and they just are attacking you in a sense. And so uh, Jehoshaphat shows us a really good way to respond. Um, and back to verse 3, see what he says. Uh, Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. The reason he was afraid is because the, the armies that were mounting against them really had the potential to wipe them out. Um, we'll see later that they're just dis- described as a great horde, and so he's afraid, and, uh, but he sets his face to seek the Lord. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. So um, he, turns, he turns to God, and he actually points the nation of Judah to turn to God as well. And so he stands in the assembly, and he makes this prayer. O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not in heaven? Are you not God in heaven? You rule over all kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. So, the first thing that he does in this prayer is uh, he he just acknowledges God's sovereignty. He's basically, with what, what he says here, he's just saying, Lord God, in the middle of all this chaos, everything that's going on, you are in control. And so, this is actually, if you fast forward to the New Testament, this is kind of an idea that Jesus tells us to start with in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, just by saying, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so... Uh, for King Jehoshaphat, after he uh, refocuses his, uh, on God's control, really over the history of men, um, he re- recounts God's faithfulness to Israel, and then he declares loyalty to God no matter what will happen next. And he, uh, he makes this request in um, 2 Chronicles 20:10. And now behold, the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt... In whom they avoided and did not destroy. He's basically saying, hey, we did what you said. Like Israel kept their hands off these people, and and we stayed on track. Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. And listen to what he says next. It's really helpful. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. And you get a, a picture of what's at stake just with their wives and their children. It's, it's their families. And, I, you know, I, I would guess it would be pretty obvious that if this great horde came in and fought against Israel and they had the power to overwhelm, they would just deal mercilessly with with the nation. So, I mean, you can hear the anguish in Jehoshaphat's word when when he makes this instructive statement saying, you know, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. So, in response to this prayer that he makes, uh, God begins to speak through one of the men that was there, and he says, you, you will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out, and fight them, and go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. So as, as we read on, we, we discover that God, of course, keeps his promise, and uh, he brings victory over the Moabites and the Ammonites, and here's here's how he does it. And when they began to sing in praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. There's actually three groups that had kind of formed a coalition um, who had come against Judah so that they were routed. I mean, if you look at the beginning of this, you kind of see what kind of set things in motion. Uh, when they began to sing and praise, that's when the Lord set the ambush. And I just, um, I love the way to see that, that, just that their response and, and their songs that probably revolved around God's faithfulness and just his sovereignty, that's when things started happening. And so we find out uh, the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, so they basically went against one of the other groups, devoting them to destruction. And when they made an end of the inhabitants of Mount Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So basically, those three groups just wiped each other out. Um, and so when Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked toward the horde and told, they were just dead bodies, laying on the ground. None had escaped. So really, God God took care of this huge problem before they even lifted a hand. Um, So this, this story with King Jehoshaphat and the way he led the nation of Judah really is a good example of trusting the Lord. And for us, you know, we can't really control the circumstances of life, things that happen, the way stuff that we have breaks or big expenses that come up or the way people treat us or relationships with our family members, all this stuff that goes on around us, we can't control it. We can't control people or things, um, but what we can control are our responses to them when those things do happen. And so it's really helpful to focus on the wise responses that will give us victory over our normal reactions. So in your listening, guide, you can see, there's a, just a, a couple points that will help you uh, think through different ways to overcome the lie of it's not fair. Uh, the first one is to refuse to blame others or God. Obviously, when a problematic situation comes up, it's pretty natural for us just to point our finger at whoever is causing the problem or making life difficult for us or blocking our goals. Um, And so, you know, blame them. Or maybe there's not really a very clear culprit around us because just stuff in life is going wrong. And so maybe we blame God instead and and just say, you know, God, why are you letting this happen to me? Uh, Which honestly is a question that I... Going through my mind somewhat when I was having the problems with my car, um, it's hard to really make sense of this stuff sometimes. Um, or, or it may just we could just blame life itself, you know, in discouragement when things just feel like they couldn't possibly get any worse than this, you know. Those are the days when you just say, you know, things couldn't, you know, this day couldn't get any worse than it is already. Um, but when Jehoshaphat was feeling completely overwhelmed, everything was coming against him. Uh, his initial response was, as we looked at. You know, he's just saying, "Lord God, in the middle of this chaos, you are in control." Probably took a deep breath when he said that, and uh, in that way, he didn't—he um, didn't blame God. He didn't even blame the enemies, the people that were coming against him. Um, he didn't blame anyone else in in Judah, but he just chose to first acknowledge God's sovereignty. So that's the first thing. Uh, the second one is to refuse to take matters into my own hands and to trust God instead. Sometimes it really feels like we're left with no other option but just to take matters into our own hands. Um, you, we don't necessarily always have, like, hordes of enemies trying to kill us and our families, but, um, you know, we have people blocking our goals and stuff. And, and how that how that looks is uh, it could just be, like, just demanding that I be treated fairly, like, demand my rights to be to have what I need or want. And, you know, it's just making sure that people give us what we deserve. Or, or even more, it could be just... Um, making people pay who aren't treating us the way that we think they should be. There is actually a movie that came out recently, uh, and it showed the life of Jackie Robinson. He was the first African-American player in in Major League Baseball. And uh, in the middle of the civil rights movement in the States, um, many, or maybe all, African-Americans must have really dealt with this feeling of things being totally unfair. And Jackie Robinson, you know, for sure was on the front lines experiencing a ton of the brunt of this opposition. And so here's a clip from the movie 42. It's it's a really good example of just refusing to take matters into your own hands. I'll pay you $600 a month and a $3,500 bonus when you sign the contract. Is that agreeable? Yes, that's fine. There's one condition know you can hit behind the runner, that you can read a pitch. One question is, can you control your temper? My temper? Yes, your temper. What are you, deaf? A black man in white baseball. Can you imagine the reaction? The vitriol? Dodgers check into a hotel, a, a, a decent, good hotel. You're worn out from the road. Some clerk won't give you the pen to sign in with. We got no room for you, boy. Not even down in the coal bin where you belong. Team stops at a restaurant. Waiter won't take your order. Didn't you see the sign on the door? What are you going to do then? Fight him? Ruin all my plans? Answer me. Hmm. You want a player who doesn't have the guts to fight back? No. No. I want a player who's got the guts not to fight back. For Jackie Robinson, um, that's kind of a tense clip, and there's actually a lot more of them. I actually had to even edit out some of the parts of that clip because of some of the language that was used in that time. Um, which really just portrays the opposition that was faced. But for, for Jackie to take matters into his own hands, he probably would have fought back. I mean, that makes the most sense. That would have been the natural reaction. Um, but that wasn't an option for him, at least in his mind. You know, he could have demanded his rights to be treated fairly. Um, but it would have been devastating. He had to fix his eyes on, on the long-term goal of fighting for equality in the States. Uh, for us, what we got to do is, is we need to... Um, fix our eyes on God when these troubling situations come up in our lives, which is really easy to say, and it's really hard to do, because, you know, if you're in the middle of things really going wrong, and it's hard to see why things are even happening, you start to wonder if God is even going to come through, or if things are going to pan out the way that you really need or want them to. In the case of Jehoshaphat, you know, what he said was, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And uh, he, he could have even taken matters into his own hands, too, if he would have devised some other plans, maybe, you know, attack the enemy when they least expected it and try to catch him off guard, or maybe just take his family and head for the hills. or I mean, there's other plans he could have done, but he waited on the Lord, and um, which is good because if he took things into his own hands, God probably would have held back his help if he did that, um, God is really capable of running the universe, and my part is to focus on following his command and direction. And actually, this leads me to do what will prosper me and those that I'm responsible for. And so that points to the last step, which is to look to God and ask for help. <clears throat> we may need to take action. There may be uh, something that God wants us to do in response to a difficult circumstance, uh, but we have to keep God's goal in mind, accomplished his way not my own goal accomplished in whatever way that I want to do it. Um, and, and we do this. We, we look to God and ask for help in different ways, definitely by prayer and just and, and trying to talk with him, uh, by digging into his word, e- even coming here expectantly. Uh, maybe you being here right now is actually a, a form of just trying to look to God and ask for his help with things that are going on in your life right now. Um, and, and as we do that, one really helpful thing to do is, is to shift our focus to praise. Um, when we close the service with, with one more final sign, it may be helpful to, to reflect upon the character of God, even if you're currently in the middle of a really tough stretch. Just like we read in that passage, um, it was the fact that they were singing praise and um, just worshiping God that kind of set things in motion that really helped them out. And uh, so I'll invite the worship team back to the stage. The ushers can uh, prepare to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. You know, oftentimes one of the most amazing things that happens when we do trust God is a sense of peace and rest. And uh, the end of Jehoshaphat's story is interesting. We, di- we didn't read it yet. It's in uh, verse uh, 29. It says, The fear of the God came on all the kingdoms of the countries when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. So he chose to set his eyes on God, act according to God's goals, and God really took care of him in the end. Um, so in a time... You know, in the history of, of these nations, when there was constant battling on every side from enemy armies, to have to have peace and rest would have been just a tremendous sigh of relief for them, just to not be fighting for their lives constantly. And so, uh, some of you actually already know the end of my car story, which uh, God led me eventually to discover. After I spent like the better part of a year pouring like coolant into the engine as it leaked out, I, I discovered eventually that. Uh, there was a recall on the model in the make of my car, and it turned out that the Honda dealership actually replaced the engine for free. so which was amazing. i couldn't I couldn't believe it. and um, it was amazing to see the way that God helped me in his own timing um, to bring me th- through some things in the process because honestly, he could have helped me fix that problem right away or he could have you know caused things to line up, and I would have gotten that fixed much sooner than uh, than a year. but um, it was in his timing, and I really, Kind of learned a lot through that process and dealing with thoughts like this. And so um, it doesn't always work out like that, actually. I mean, I, there's still a bunch of things in my life that aren't buttoned up so neatly as that. But, um, you know, there's just, there's still some areas in my life that um, I'm still kind of waiting for a solution and asking God for help to, to get through some things. So maybe in light of this, in this first year, you could consider where you need to experience some peace and rest from God um, in every area of your life. I mean, imagine the difference if God were to lead you through the chaos and the difficulty into a season of peace. Um, and so, what we can do is, uh, if you take out your connection card or look at the bottom of that sheet that you have, there's a few next steps that you might consider taking. Uh, one of them is to memorize Genesis 50:20. This is a verse that we looked at today, but um, it's from the story of Joseph, and it really captures the idea that we've been talking about. And uh, Joseph was a really key figure in the in the history of God's work in forming the nation of Israel. Um, if, you, if you know this story, you know that Joseph was really unfairly treated by his brothers, um, by his, his ma- the wife of his master. Promises were made to him and broken, and his life was like a really discouraging string of unfair things happening one after another for a long time. And so, interestingly, he, he makes a really incredible statement at the end of it all when he sees how God has had redeemed the situation for a much bigger purpose than his own comfort. He says, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So this is a really powerful verse that captures the right response towards unfair things in life. And so you may even consider reading the story of Joseph this week to get some more perspective on it. It's in Genesis 37 through 50. Um, But when difficult circumstances come up in life and and thought comes into our mind that it's just not fair, this verse comes in handy to repel and, and really defeat that thought. Another step you might consider taking is to identify a matter that I've taken into my own hands and then to trust God with it instead. Uh, You can ask yourself the question, like, have I taken matters into my own hands? Um, Am I trying to accomplish my goals in the way that I want to do it? Um, In what areas have you done that, and and how can you trust those things to God? And then a third next step is uh, take action by doing it God's way, not my way. God really wants us to maintain a firm grip on our responsibilities in life even when things don't pan out the way that we were hoping. So maybe you know how to diligently take action. Maybe just in the course of listening, you know a way to take action in the midst of your difficult situation and do things in a way that really pleases and honors God. We'll take a moment just to pray for our service, and um, then we'll collect the offering. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this morning and for just allowing us to learn more about how you work in our lives through these stories old testament thank you for the encouragement that i can bring us just to see the way that you intervene and you really care for the people that have chosen to trust you i pray that we would choose to trust you with our lives and um, everything that comes up there's a lot of challenges that life brings and um, pray that you would use your scripture just to keep us on track and that we would uh, trust in, in your sovereignty in jesus name we pray amen Questions can go ahead and receive this morning's offerings. Um, if you, uh, if you do